Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Welcome to the 22nd episode of the fourth season of The Worst Idea of All Time, a podcast series with myself and Guy Montgomery where we watch and review the same movie every week for 52 at least times. Uh, previous seasons have seen us done this on a weekly basis and I'm sure for the mathematicians at home you'll already know that that equals a year. This time we've embarked on the journey at a, a right clip and we're releasing two episodes a week which sees us sitting down to spend two and a half hours with the gals two times a week. Too much, I would say. What are your thoughts, Guy? Certainly too much. Uh, I was asked recently, I told someone I couldn't do something because I had to watch Sex in the City. And they said, uh, don't, don't you think you've seen that enough? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's conflicting, isn't it? Because on one hand, absolutely, I think I've seen it more than enough. But yeah. on on the other hand, uh, not by a long shot, not by thirty <laughs> screenings, I haven't. Mm. Uh, so it's a difficult question to answer, more challenging than it should be. Certainly, thinking about it a lot more than I need to be. I yeah. woke up at eight a.m. to watch this. Your classic ah. uh, first thing in the morning affair. Did a timbo. Yeah, uh, I made a coffee for myself. I took the computer next to the stovetop and made myself a coffee. I took back to mm-hmm. bed. And then Ken, uh, my beautiful Ken, has just returned. Uh, so Have I've got we my ever hat. talked about Ken on the podcast? I don't know, but he certainly occupies a, a very popular and interesting space amongst my friends, both in yeah. New York and New Zealand, uh, especially the ones who don't know him. Ken... Uh, He's he's very well liked by people who've only met him a couple of times, and that's not to say he's <laughs> that's not to say he's not he's not well liked Quite by the death. No, no, no. He's not. He's also well liked by people who've met him more than a couple of times. But like, um, interesting that you front loaded the the sentence in the way that you did. Yeah, I think it's just because uh, I was just with a friend who's met him a couple of times and was very uh-huh. excited that I was coming home to see Ken and was like, "Say hi to Ken." That's uh, 
Yeah, also, should... do you think we can mention what his chosen profession is? Because I think this is Ken is a fucking great dude to be around, just as a normal human. But I think also his job adds uh, quite a level of of cool. Yeah, or Ken is a very talented uh, painter um, and designer. But painting is his and sculpture now as well. Actually, is his passion. Uh, he's he's such a talented artist that for my wedding gift a, a whole slew of my friends banded together to buy an original King Griffin piece which sits above my bed. Um, hey. A tremendous! It's like my first real bit of art. I'm so proud to have it. It's very cool. Uh, he's at Ken Griffin G R I F F E N on Instagram. If you're curious. But uh, anyway, he's he's come home, and so to to brighten my screening, uh, he actually brought me in a plate of um, scrambled eggs. Uh, so breakfast in bed with the gals, and it arrived when the gals were at a restaurant, and um, I noticed as I was eating the eggs, I said to Ken, "Ken, these eggs are delicious," for they were, and it occurred to me as I said that I can't remember what meal specifically the gals were eating, but. For how often they're in cafes and restaurants and how often we see them eating food, they never comment on the flavor. No one ever says, hey, this is delicious, or I don't like this food very much. Yeah. Which is infuriating. Would you like to see more of that in the film? More of a culinary description? uh, Yeah, I think certainly, I don't know that realism is exactly what the movie's going for, but, you know... Surely if you go out for a meal, you're going to comment on the meal, aren't you? Am I sure. mistaken? Um, you're not mistaken. I feel like perhaps what's happened here is because you've seen the movie 22 times now, you've uh, not forgotten per se, but maybe um, deprioritized a sort of function of storytelling in film, which is you know extraneous information. We kind of want to get rid of that. So the theme of Sex in the City is about relationships and sex and friendships and things. And uh, commenting on the food isn't isn't really what we're there to do. With due respect to you and Mattress Pikelet King, I think there is an hour of footage in this movie that could very well be (laughs) replaced or even cut outright. And my request for a little bit of ordinary conversation that represents what a meal out is actually like is uh, pretty fucking valid. But yeah, right, uh, like right. I said, Tim, with all due respect, so uh, please don't mis- misread my tone or sentiment. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Let's rattle off the times when the gals are tucking into a bit of nosh. We have uh, early in the film, um, what, is, what is the first one when they're together? The first memorable one is when they're talking about how often they have sex. Uh, yeah, but is there one before that? Or is that... No, that is the... F- that, Shit, they're um, all so similar. Those scenes. I think that is the first. Yeah, and then the, they also definitely have a meal in the immediate aftermath of Steve confessing that he yeah. slept with someone else. Yeah. And that was yeah. another yeah. thing that got me. And I might mm-hmm. be being unreasonable here, but when Steve said it's still me after he's yeah. confessed to cheating and he's in bed and he shoes off hold the on, dog, hold on, do the voice. It's still me. Uh, I actually we, fell down a Google hole for the, the actor who plays Steve yesterday. He's the star of a, a show about a fireman in Chicago, I think on CBS. He's a guy called David Eigenberg, and uh, he tweets a lot. 
but it's all just promo for the show. But like, now, he, se- he seems like a we, solid dude. Didn't we hear a backstage story from one of Hollywood's stars one time when we were in California about him asking to see someone's massive dong? Yes. Does that ring any bells for you? He was working alongside maybe like a John Hamm or something, someone who there had been a rumor about him having a massive hog. And uh, what's his name again, the actor, David? David Eigenberg. David Eigenberg was just like, let's fucking see it. Whip it out, Matt. Whip it out. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Or it's also hazy enough that it could be, in my memory... Uh, Someone was asking to see his. Yeah, he might have a monster schlong. Um, By the way, Suri somehow picked up on this conversation halfway through (laughs) and has got a return here for Solitude. Okay. If you're wondering, Solitude is a state of seclusion or isolation. Something has happened. Okay, sorry, you go. Explain. I.e. a lack of contact with people. I'm just reading Wikipedia now, so, you know, go ahead. (laughs) Very good. There is something that has happened in the last couple of months, an update that Apple has put out, because I have listened to so many podcasts recently, and I'm talking big ones. It happened on My Brother, My Brother and Me recently. It happened on Pod Save America, where Siri just suddenly started listening and babbling back to them, and it seemed (laughs) to all be, like, in the same fortnight. So, I don't know, man. Fucking Apple's on there. It's got an itchy trigger finger when it comes yeah. to the Siri thing. Well, they do want... They just want to pick up what everyone is saying. Uh, so, and you know what I say? All power what? to them. Uh, yeah, I guess. Take <laughs> They're my, in charge now. Take my information. I'm not going to stop using your products or any of the other smartphones. They're too convenient. We can all complain about it, but no one's actually doing anything. Just roll over and give them your goddamn data. And Apple, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, sponsor our fucking podcast, you holdouts. What are the odds that this is all going to go south? And by that, I mean the technology companies actually fulfill this dystopian vision that's in a lot of sci-fi movies where they just become like one mega conglomerate and suddenly Honestly, we've all got social credit cards living a in a long Black time. Mirror episode. I thought that they might win the race, but yeah. I think the climate has just pulled ahead and honestly <laughs> is an absolute front runner. There is no planet on which they win. I used to I used to think of this as a as a, a two horse race, right? I thought about this for a long time in, in these terms. The race was is climate change gonna wipe out the planet before we can get to Mars and actually start colonizing? Like, will we be able to leave the planet? Because it's going to be fucking tight. Like, you know, this race is honestly, go- something's going to... We don't deserve Mars. How would you... Like, what does that look like? We show up on Mars and we're like, hey, can we crash here? We absolutely fucking destroyed the last one. <laughs> imagine imagine <laughs> someone coming to your house and be like, hey, can I stay on your couch? Like, yeah, man, sure, what happened? Oh, I just, like, <laughs> never took out the trash or anything and then the whole house, like, caught fire because of my <laughs> ineptitude. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's, um... Yeah, but sorry, so it was a two-horse race between our... It tr- was a... Yeah, uh, us, us being able Mars. to leave our planet and colonize the rest of space versus versus the climate, like just clipping it, clipping us off before we could take off the ground, because it it will be very close. But you're right, there's, there's kind of there's almost a third player, which is the tech companies <laughs> who want to. I don't know what their game is, but maybe to like pull us back to Earth, keep us here, so they can just observe us and watch all of our data tech forever. Com- the thing is, tech companies are just people, right? 
So well, I don't no, think not anymore because now it's AI. So we've got this tricky other thing. It's true, but yeah, I guess. Th- but there are people withholding how much information or how developed that AI is becoming. So it's still people. I it think is now. Yeah, we will. Right we now will, it is, we will lose control. But yeah. all that to say, I don't think tech companies beyond just taking all this information. I don't think there's a plan. It's like once they've got there it, isn't. They're going to figure there out isn't. how much pushback there is. And like what, how far exactly they can take it. And it's just like, it's literally, it's all response. It's just people who are doing a thing and they get as much of the thing as possible. It's madness. So we're, we're going down the rabbit hole now, but I read, um, uh, a book called the Snowden files, uh, about Edward Snowden. And, um, it went through kind of blow by blow. It was written by this uh, British journalist who was really, really good and kind of followed the whole case. Went through blow by blow just how much data um, the UK spy agencies, the, I think, what is it called? Like the GC, no, that's our one. The, G, the, the G- part of, Hoover's part C- of Five Eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like spy agency and the America, like uh, the NSA in America, just how much data they were shoveling up. And it was like every bit of data that was traveling through the UK was being duplicated and kept in storage but they had no fucking like it's they couldn't do anything with it they were just swimming in data and they had no idea how to sift through it it's because it's 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 like a precious it's like a mineral it's like they know that there's value in it they don't know how exactly yet they don't know what they're going to forge out of it but why would you let it go also, I think that's I think that's why they're trying to crack AI because they're like, well, we we actually can't figure this out, so we've got to create something smart enough to sift through all the shit. They're technological hoarders, yeah, Te- techno hoarders. Look, all they of need the- to Marie Kondo the data. They need to hold <laughs> every file in front of them and say, "Is this bringing our company joy?" And if not, thank it and delete it. I think, honestly, they'd look at it and they'd think, is this bringing me joy? And it would, because it's not the file that's in front of them. It's the idea of having that information and power. Yeah. And that, that is still a kind of joy. It's a dark it's joy. Nefarious do you think Dick fits joy. into this vision of the future? Honestly, the only person who uh, sort of sits uh, on similar or slightly... Uh, superior pegging to this conversation is Dickbot. And it's the main thing holding Brady back is for all of the developments, all of the breakthroughs he's had, he's still operating on a biological level. Uh, Dickbot so, is? No, Brady. Like that's Dickbot's oh, yeah, big, yeah. big advantage. Um, I, don't, I love I mean, this idea. I love this idea that it's it's kind of like a Luciferian, if that's a word, like a, like a Satanist vision of, and I'm talking Church of Satan, not like Satan, how the Christians tell it, but like kind of a fallen angel is our last hope, that this, this dark character, yeah. this guy has descended literally subterranean into the sewers to hang out with these animals that we detest and have been trying to kill off for ages, and he's commanding them now. He is our last hope. We had to forge our greatest villain to save us. Yeah. There's something very cool about that. I like I like the idea of the apology communicated on behalf of humans. Yes. Yes. Uh, whatever it is to to Dickbot to say we were we shouldn't have written you off. It sounds like we just took a side. And you know the thing is that that entire conversation was in service of how pissed off I was when Steve's on the bed and he says, It's still me. And Miranda says is it? 
I don't know if my frustration was with Miranda or Mattress Pikelet King, but I was thinking, yes, it is still Steve. <laughs> Absolutely. And he proves that, which, I mean, I guess, I yeah, anyway. Yes, it's still Steve. The most fuckable character in the Sex and the City universe. Mayor of New York. Sex icon to us all. And the most active fucker. If our theories are to be believed, which they are. I was thinking this watch a lot about Steve and Smith Garrett getting it on. And uh, I tell you what, this is going to be pretty hot under the collar. They're yeah. two sexy men in very different ways. Like, like Smith Garrett has a real classical Ken doll sexiness to him. And Steve's got a real roll up your sleeves, I'll fix your plumbing. And I don't mean that euphemistically. I mean, literally, he looks like a hot plumber. Kind yeah, of a look. he's got a, a genuine practicality to him. Um, Smith Jarrett, by the way, I, I uh, the actor who plays him, who's hey, by the way, how do you think you smell, spell his surname? G A R R E T Jarrett. This is a classic. American Antipodean lost in translation pronunciation right up there in the Hall of Fame with Craig and Craig. Uh, what's happened? J-E-R-R-O-D. Oh my God. I was way off. But that's how way I... Way fucking off. That's how I imagine as well. Smith Jared. Jared. Like the pedophile who promoted sandwiches. <laughs> Jesus. That's your go-to now when you hear the name Jared. Name a more famous Jared. I'll Krishna. wait. Oh, it's a tie. <laughs> Both baddies. But again, like the um, Stephen Smith thing, uh, for very different reasons. Stephen Smith? Who's Stephen Smith, sorry? Oh, Steve oh. and Smith. They're, they're uh, both sexy, but in different ways. Uh, the yeah. two Jareds, the pedophile, and the man in the White House, uh, both evil in different ways. That's all I'm saying. That's Close right. the book, put it on the shelf. Speaking of books, should I bust out that Sex in the City book again? I don't think there was much text, actually, after uh, the um, no, forwards. <laughs> I felt like we got quite a lot out of it on the last screening. But yes. uh, speaking of, of books, Tim, mm. um, I, I might as well... I don't know, this this framing's all wrong. But I was going to say, why don't we open the book of Shining Lights and chuck a couple in? Cause, uh, Very good. My one this week, or this screening, was, um, and we might have done it before, but I was sort of, I was quite, it was quite a antsy, kind of frustrated viewing for me this morning. So I, I channeled it on something negative that I enjoyed, sort of, you know, ironically, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm sure the cinematographer and everyone involved will love knowing. Uh, it's the transition shot from when Carrie is in Mexico and she throws her phone into the ocean. And then, like a media studies project, when you're being taught how to use a camera and edit using iMovie, there's a yeah. transition fade, which goes yeah. from the phone as water laps over it on the beachfront to a tire of a moving truck driving through a puddle and the common denominator between these two shots is water it is the element of water (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about yeah of course i do 
That's fucked. And from memory as well, that is like a, uh, what do you call that? It's in sound, it's called a crossfade, but it's like that for video, right? They fade into one another. Yeah. Like you would see in a 1990s softcore porn. It is a crossfade. My main association with that editing tool or technique is when you watch someone singing the national anthem at a sports event, and they'll often overlay the face of the singer with the team sort of solemnly yeah. singing along and I'm always like I'm glad that these anthems exist because otherwise that technology would be lost for all time because it's just not needed Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during uh there was a pandemic i don't know if you remember and the benefits were immediate and long lasting they help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations honestly it's changed my life for the better i guess that's why they call it better help get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10 percent off your first month that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. But, Guy, uh, do, you, do you know the National Anthem of America yet? Do you know all the lyrics? Uh, I think so. Do you want me to I do it? Well, I mean, it sort of it begs, <laughs> it begs you doing it, doesn't it? A little bit. Oh, Canada. Our home and native land, true patriot love, in all of us command. With glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north strong and free. From far and wide, oh Canada, we stand on God for thee. God keep our land glorious and free. 
Oh, Canada, we stand on God for thee. And then they say that last line again. And I don't know why I chose not to finish it because I sang literally mm. every other line. <laughs> but there you go. There's so your tap out point. Um, and tune into next episode where Guy will sing the American National Anthem in French, which is the other version you'll sometimes hear. I could do that for you right now. Okay. Oh, Canada. Oh, it's bilingual. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Te no ayu. No, no. Oh, what are we? <laughs> where, where are we off to, mate? <laughs> uh, well, they speak a different kind of French in Canada. It's called. I Quebec thought we were in second, but you've put the car in fourth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I have not used the clutch. <laughs> no, sir. Just slipped it right in there. What um, was your shining light? My shining light is is a microscopic look at a woman that we've already seen before. That's a weird way of putting it. We've already covered the shining light, but mine is a more specific part of it. When Carrie and Miranda sit down on Valentine's night at the cafe, or the restaurant with too many balloons, which I believe is the name of the restaurant, there's a waitress who comes to serve them, and there's a little look she gives uh when she first approaches and says she says like every, everything on the menu tonight is valentine's themed um and and when she says that line she, she looks around it's a little like micro expression but even she knows that there are too many balloons and she works there <laughs> she just does a quick scan around her she sort of looks up from left to right and she's like yep we've overdone it there's too many balloons and uh, uh it, it cracks me up every week and I sort of fail to mention it, but it's very funny. It's generous because that's something for me to look forward to. Um, mm. Little was I to know. Uh, I Do you think that's a decision made as the character or that the actor, they just used the first take and she was kind of like... No, genuinely the character because I the actor who plays that character, she is very good. I fucking buy her performance. They treat her all like it, dirt. They do, and they do this. This is it, all of the wait staff in this movie are great actors, and they get treated like shit in the world of the film. Do you know the, the woman who comes up to Charlotte as well? Very fucking good. Very good. I think. Um, it's quite an easy piece of casting because if you think about it, there'll be a lot of, you know, like it's a it's a great role for a lot of aspiring performers because a lot of them work in the service industry. And so yeah, it's like they've, they've got... They've it's, going a, method. it's a fusion of their two skills. So they're flexing hard because they're like, I can act and <laughs> I wait tables. So this is a fucking breeze. Or if we are to believe our Australian conspiracy theorists from two episodes ago, when you denied my theory that Coffee Guy used to be a biker of some description, uh, it could just be that they're genuine waiters who do not know they're on camera and do not know who the actors who are playing the characters in Sex in the City are. And it's a hidden imagine camera. Being, imagine being so focused on your role that you, like, some sort of work blindness you just operate and you don't even see cameras that are around you big cinema cameras lighting rigs soundies <laughs> boom poles you don't see any of it you're just like my job here is to get that woman's order 
Oh, and I'll tell you another thing. If these people are that committed to their role as a waiter, they will be fuming at the knowledge that none of the people they're serving are making any observations about the food, either good or bad. That That is so true. <laughs> Why don't you write one of those in Mattress Pike Like King just to give us a sense of realism or kindness to people you, who are in the service industry? You go out for a meal. They do, just as a quick aside before I go into this, uh, it is a it's a classic tell of someone. Uh, it's a you know uh, when you go on a date with someone, you know you can pretty much assess whether or not they're a good or bad person based on how they treat uh, the weight stuff. It's like it, you know it's a it's a, a pretty like it's pop psychology, isn't it? People do say that they say it's a like a first date thing. Is you want to look at how they treat weight staff, um, the relation if it's a guy like their relationship with their sisters or their mother. Uh, and how they treat animals as well is like those are those are big tells as to whether or not they're goodies or baddies. Absolutely, that is one of the main ways we know that the characters in these films are out of touch. Is through both films they are very dismissive towards servers, which yes. is the American word for white stuff. But this is what- good. I'm go- I'm going to be able to find this out about myself because I'm getting a dog tomorrow. So we'll see if I am a goodie or a baddie. What a litmus test. That's very exciting. I've seen a photo of the dog you are getting and ain't she a cutie? I am, I feel very guilty about it because I, my wife very much wants a dog. She grew up with dogs. She loves dogs. So her birthday this year, I was like, you know what? Let's just, let's do it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, cause the concern is cause we rent that it will diminish our, um, options after this house where we can live because so many places don't take animals but i'm like you know what dogs make you happy sometimes you just got to roll with that so we're going to get the dog and i very much want to get a pound dog i don't like kind of buying into the whole breedery thing but lo and behold we've got this gorgeous little model dog that's part schnauzer part jack russell and uh i tell you what i I feel a little guilty about it but holy shit is he cute (laughs) well uh, one. What about the old one for them, one for you, Tim? This is what I'm thinking, or at the very least, like a, a I'll go and help out at the SPCA or something. You know, try and try and right the wrong, try and get I, even on it. I can get on board with that. But my question to you: You're out for a mm. meal. You're quite mm-hmm. excited to go to this place, or maybe you're not. But you know, you you, you expect a certain quality of fo- food or product. You place your order. Your meal arrives. You are underwhelmed across pretty much every spectrum of the food. It's not not what they said it was, but it is just sort of numbly disappointing. The, wait, the waiter comes over after the meal or during the meal. They go, how is everything? What do you say? Realistically, I probably go, really good, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Same. We do you uh, think? Do you think we need to stop lying to our weight staff? Wow, well, it's hard because it's not their responsibility. But it's not. If, and you know what? It's one of the social dances we do. They don't need that shit. They're not genuinely asking. They're, they're, it's a nicety. We're if, just doing if, the dance. If not for them, then for the small business owner who's trying to get their restaurant up and running, constructive feedback. Uh, I get that's what um, fucking what's it called what's that review site that holds people over a barrel Yelp 
Yelp. Yeah, that's what Yelp's for. No. Yelp is the cowards. Yelp is for the bottom feeders who are too afraid to say as much up front. Dude, imagine you've you've um, worked in a cafe, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've spent a lot of time working tables. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you're like, how is the food? They're like, actually, do you know what? The soup was a little bit too salty, and uh, the crackers were too dry. I'm not talking about sl- soup that's slightly too salty. I mean, actually, no. Okay. Do you know what? I am. Yeah. And I okay. say. <laughs> yeah. I say very, I, li- I like your flexibility on this. This is good. This is good. Well, because in the world I'm like in the mindset I'm currently trying to wrap my head around, you know, mm. I didn't make the soup. I'm just ferrying this information to and fro. I go, oh, sorry to hear that. I'll pass it on to the ki- I'll pass it on to the chef. Are you gonna deal with the fucking chef? Are you gonna go up to the chef, who we all know are very surly people? They're wonderful people, but boy, are they angry. That all is, the chefs I've known are angry people. That is where the judgment call comes in. So you act as an intermediary for the for the intel. You, it's up to you to determine whether you need to ferry it back or not. We're just getting information further along the chain of command if we do this than we currently are. So, But but my question to you is, do you see your role as a server as kind of a, an intelligence analyst where you're receiving the no, raw data? No, because society hasn't put that pressure on me. But I think... Uh, like when I was when I was waiting tables, I was never um, this was never necessarily relevant for me because no one tells you unless they do, and then <laughs> from memory you write them off as a pompous fucking ass. Uh, so we're back to square one where we should just do the dance. Am no, I right? No, I mean yes, but that was that was uh, that I, my thinking could use some reframing. I think it's valuable to say, hey. The past is too cold. Like it's like social anxiety, you know. You get so overwhelmed by the idea of saying the past is too cold. But I'm sure if you tell them the past is too cold, you know, you're paying money to eat the past. You want it to be served at a reasonable temperature. I truly believe your um your conflict and evolution on this, and and where our the river running between us and our opinions here reflects the different cultures of New Zealand and America. Or specifically the East Coast, I think, actually. New Yorkers will tell you if the pasta is too cold. And realistically, I think people probably fucking should. Because you're right, that is useful information. But people in New Zealand would never do that, I think. Yeah, you just, yeah, like the review is, you say, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Best meal I've ever had. And you never go back to that cafe again. (laughs) Exactly. And you tell every friend... (laughs) family member or acquaintance you've ever met not to go to that place but you will never give them the good info yeah and where does this leave the chef they go i don't understand everyone said it was the best meal they've ever had (laughs) this is why our economy is in the toilet man because we just can't no i can figure out what the fuck's going on because we're 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 too um i was gonna say passive aggressive is that the right is that the thing we're too passive i think generally Forget the aggressive. No, I yeah, but passivity, you know, inevitably a, a branch of that is passive aggressiveness. Do you mm-hmm. know another thing that happens? It happens in the movie and it happens in New York. Uh, when 
it's when Carrie's like, and I don't know if this bothers you, but Carrie's like uh, finding the perfect part. It's at the very start when she's doing her initial introductory monologue. She's like, finding the perfect partner in New York is a, a lot. No, finding the perfect apartment in New York is a lot like finding the perfect partner. It can take years. And New Yorkers are obsessed with the idea that these challenges only exist in New York. Yeah. Where it's like, that's true of anywhere. Like, it's... But wouldn't you wouldn't you say that the... Trying to get it... Well, you fucking shoot it straight, guy. You had to join the New York property market in some way, shape, or form. Was it crazy difficult? Uh, no, I, thankfully, Ken, the wonderful Ken, did all the heavy lifting <laughs> for me. But, uh, but like, you know, like, my place isn't perfect, but I like it plenty. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think, sure, yeah, it's a pa- I have experienced the, the misery and difficulty of finding somebody to live in New York as I have anywhere. Yeah. I, th- I do think you're right. I think New Yorkers um, experience then, the world as if it's only happening to them. And then that happens, like that that reach arrives in places that aren't New York. Like if you're in Auckland, somewhere's like a New York style loft apartment and you're like, a loft apartment in New York is a piece of shit. The only <laughs> redeeming factor about it is it's in New York. So if you take out the location and you say New York style <laughs> loft apartment, you're just saying shit fucking apartment in Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. You know the worst bit about that place you love? We just took that bit. Mm. Pay us lots of money. Anyhow, my God, we're all over the I map got a, today. I've got a pop quiz for you. The correct answer is negative 15 degrees Celsius. That's how cold it was last night, Tim. Negative 15 degrees Celsius. It's pretty chilly, man. Fuck, that is cold. That's nuts, dude. Ah. Oh. 15 below freezing. Not into it. Um, Pop quiz, bitch. What did Samantha name her dog? Uh, I figured what's one more little bitch at a gay wedding? Uh, Not not the name, but that is a line from Sex in the City 2. Well, in which case, I don't know. And why wouldn't you know? It's not said out loud. Did you pause it and read the dog tag? They, do, I don't think they ever fucking named the dog, bruh. I looked. I listened. I observed. They didn't name the fucking dog. A dog needs a name. What about the scene where uh, the dog runs up onto Dante's deck? Because she must be calling after it. Does she say, baby, come back? That's what she says. She says, baby. Well, the dog's name's baby then. The dog's name is Baby. Good job. Yeah. Good job on that pop quiz, man. That was a poser that turned into a brain teaser. Guy, I want to bring up with you a line that's always bugged me. And this, I'm kind of loath to bring it up because I know that this is just going to turn into one of those. It's just going to be annoying to listen to me try to explain what I'm getting at here. And it's going to be for such little payoff, but I want to get into it, okay? I'm very excited. It it irks me every time I hear it. (laughs) I'm glad you are. Everyone else listening to the podcast, I'm sorry in advance. This is going to be one of those annoying technicality things that you can just end the episode here. It's been it's been a good chat so far, so just tune out now. This is just, this is just for Guy. Okay, 
You know when Carrie's narrating on Valentine's Night when Samantha is by herself, covered in sushi, naked, waiting for Smith to come home. Smith Jared, apparently. Um, and she says it was the same Valentine's... Oh, so Samantha, Samantha's basically been stood up by Smith because he's working late at the movie set. And she looks over at her neighbour and just like all the other previous nights, he is having uproarious sex with not one but two women and the dialogue is uh it was the same valentine samantha had planned because because carrie's talking about like looking at the neighbor it's yeah and she wanted to fuck minus the sushi and the extra girl now here's the thing this line does not work because if you say it's the same valentine samantha had planned minus the sushi you go okay so this line is like from the perspective of her neighbor, Dante, as in we're fucking. He doesn't have sushi, so okay, so we're there. But then she says, and the extra girl. So then it like is flicked back to Samantha from her point of view. And it, it's like it's split the split the, the perspective on it. Yeah. Uh, it's not logically sound. It breaks the world of the movie. And the thing that shits me about it, Tim, is up until that line, you are totally with these characters. You are invested in their story. The stakes are laid out very clearly. You're rooting for them to be happy in their relationships and their friendships, which, as you outlined earlier in this episode, is what the film is about. And then all of a sudden, out of the fucking blue, this omniscient narrator, who we are to believe has all the information about her friends' lives, even though it's never explained why, and I'm assuming none of this stuff is going into her writing because she's writing a book about marriage, not about whatever the fuck her friends are up to, suddenly can't figure out whether or not Samantha... Well, no, it's not even that she can't figure it out. It's that she can't figure out tense or how to present the information, and it pulls you right out of the world. Thank you so much for not challenging or digging on this and just just going with it oh god bless you guy this actually feels like a great a great point to um pinch off this turd what do you say uh i say that would mean we forget our most beloved and popular segment i don't want to bother you people and uh truth be told steve is showing up he says i don't want to bother you people and then he obviously actually does want to bother them he yeah. is carrying seven... No, how many people is he talking to? Four. Four. Mm-hmm. Hold Je- on. Sound off. We are talking to Samantha. Steve? No. Charles? Steve is talking. There. We're talking Runkle. to oh, yeah, Samantha, sorry. Runkle, Big, Smith, Jared. Yes. I don't want to bother you people. And then he digs around in his pockets. He's got super deep pockets. So he's fumbling around in there for 25 to 30 seconds and he pulls out a button first of all and he says no that's not it and he throws it to the side and he puts his hand back into his pocket and he's digging around this time for even longer Mm. and they're like what the fuck is going on with you steve and he's like hold on hold on i got it i got it and he pulls out four different jigsaw pieces from four different jigsaws and they say, Steve, what the hell is that? And he goes, they're jigsaw pieces. And then they all lean in and look closer. And each 
jigsaw piece is from a different jigsaw that each of the four characters, Samantha, Smith Jared, Mr. Big, and Runkle, have undertaken at independent points in their life. And none of them finished the jigsaws because they were all missing a piece. And Steve presents them to them. And then they go, Steve, what the fuck? Because these people did them at such different times in their life. Like Runkle was doing this jigsaw when he was 12 years old. You know, before him and Steve ever crossed paths. And then Steve throws them in a puddle, crossfade to a beach in Mexico. A local Mexican resident, citizen, finds a beach, a phone in the ocean. They pick it up Mm -hmm. and they say, I wish these tourists wouldn't pollute our oceans. Insane. Yeah, man. That's fucking good, man. You took me on a real journey there. Yeah. I don't think that last little tag was necessary, but what are you going to do? No, I loved it. It was literally perfect. I wouldn't change a syllable. The only other thing I want to to say. Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, Carrie proposes a toast to Samantha, and then they don't cheers, which seems rude, and then she throws another bit onto the toast where she says to the next 50 and all of the girls cheers their glasses and say to the next 50 none of them are going to make it oh (laughs) well it's important to end on a positive note so i guess that is the end of this 22nd watch of sex in the city thanks for joining us everybody we will see you in the next one we just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save. With a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.